Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong. Radiant. Timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to the show. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Ben Bolin. And I am uh, the other of your hosts, Noel Brown. And uh, this is the podcast where history stops being polite and starts getting ridiculous. That's uh, it's ridiculous history. Yes, that's the name of our show. And uh, did you come up with that tagline just off the dome? You know I didn't, Ben. <laughs> I pilfered it from 13 seasons of Real World. There might be some similarities, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to. Between our show and the real world? Yeah, yeah. Which one of us is the puck, right? Oh, he was my favorite. He He was was so puckish. He was a crowd favorite. Apparently, Puck was his real name. And that show was purportedly about people behaving as real people. Genuine people, right? You know who my favorite was? Who? The rock star guy who sent his girlfriend like a pig's heart in a box with nails through it. Remember that? I think wow. it was in London. He had like spiky hair. Was there a story behind the he pig's heart? He bit somebody's face. Oh. In, when he was doing a show. People don't care for that. No. No, he was he was not well liked in the house. But he was still, despite various eccentricities, a mortal man, a living being and Unlike Puck, who was a demigod. Right, right. Uh, who was a, a 90s god. Uh, today, we are exploring the opposite of living people. We're exploring corpses. It came out weird. Yeah, but corpses, you know, supposedly imbued with mystical, demonic powers of reanimation, revenants, mm. if you will. Yeah, this is spooky stuff. Various cultures interact with the dead in, you know, in multitudinous ways. But this complex relationship has been going on since before recorded history. Before we were writing things about people, we were figuring out the safest way to bury them. And our, our the safest way, basically, to not invoke their rage. 
And a lot of the burial traditions that exist in the modern day come from this. So this story that you and I found uh, is about how people handled dead bodies in medieval England. Yeah, we're we're talking about medieval England sort of as the root of the story, but this idea of uh, people being freaked out by the notion of their buried dead coming back to jack them up mm-hmm. is is not uh, limited to medieval England. We're going to get into that story, but Ben, first off, do you know where the term undead originated? No, where does the term undead come from? Well, Bram Stoker kind of made it popular, like in popular culture, through his uh, novel Dracula. Um, he actually even considered calling the book The Undead. But the term actually dates back to 1400, um, and it was a word that meant neither dead nor alive. Ah, uh, somewhere in between. Yeah, and it's like from that we get to kind of the more modern, I guess. We still love the idea of the undead, but mm-hmm. zombies – Mm-hmm. Which is also an old term, and I know you know the history of that stuff with the voodoo and the yeah. santeria and all that. Voodoo, yeah. Uh, we have in the past looked at some of the fascinating, morbidly fascinating, but fascinating uh, stories about zombies and the undead and the interactions that we have now with modern technology, right? Because once – there's a fantastic book called The Serpent and the Rainbow, which is about – a, uh, a a trained scientist traveling to Haiti to see whether there is any truth behind the myths of zombies arising from the dead. And without spoiling it, I guess, uh, the best way to say it is that they find something. They They actually do find something. And I don't know if they were expecting to. Wait, so is that this is nonfiction? There's a movie. There's like a John Carpenter movie. <laughs> yeah, right? there's With a movie. But Bill Paxton or Pullman? Pullman. Bill Pullman. One of the Bills. Yeah, one of the Bills. The Living Bill. The Living Bill, which is kind of a cool nickname. R.I.P. Bill Paxton. <laughs> yeah, uh, the the book is the book is supposed to be the inspiration for the film, but they are widely different. But tell me more about the book. I was not aware about this book. Um, is it like so? It's sort of meant to be like an account of a thing mm-hmm. that happened. Yeah, it. The author is a anthropologist named Wade Davis, uh, and he studied what they call ethnobotanical poisons. Right, you know, the herbs you hear about in witches' brews and such. And he wanted to see if the use of a poison was involved in the creation of what people call zombies. And what he found was uh, there, he did find some fascinating leads. I'm not going to give you the conclusive answer. You'll have to check out the book. But more importantly, he found that there was this huge cultural aspect to the zombie ritual, right? And in many ways or in several cases, he found that he believed the – I guess the, the potions or the poisons used were more um, ritualistic rather than medicinal and efficacious. And so what we find then is even in the era of modern science – and this book was in 1985, so it's not – Super modern now, but you know what I mean. In the era of modern science, um, our relationships with the dead and with the concepts of death 
the way we apply and experience thanatology, which is the dressed up word for consideration of death. This is still predominantly guided by cultural mores and understanding. And in fact, the more we discover about ancient cities and civilizations, the more we see that they were culturally guided by some very, very like terrifying ideas. Uh, they were convinced that if they did not undertake certain actions, that the dead would rise from the grave or wherever they happened to be in repose and then take revenge upon the living. Feast on their flesh and drink of their blood, perhaps? Yeah, I believe so. And we've heard some of these old myths before too, right? Like the idea that in some countries, the manner of a person's death uh, determines how they'll be buried. So you would bury somebody face down or you would stuff their mouth with things. Sure, sure. And I mean, even like the term zombie, just to go back to the, the uh, Santeria voodoo aspect a little bit, yeah. it came from a word that was um, referred to a snake god or any kind of like a divine spirit. So it had that reverence, that cultural kind of like mystical reverence for, for the start. And then it came to mean this idea of a reanimated corpse. And like you're saying with Serpent in the Rainbow, uh, a lot of these practitioners would create these potions that they claimed had the power, I guess, to uh -huh. reanimate the dead. and. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about this idea of making, creating mindless slaves for, for whatever purpose, you know, mm -hmm. use your imagination there. But man, you're right. Like throughout history, we see this. And I was looking into just some other examples. Um, even as far back as the Stone Age, archaeologists, a team of archaeologists found these 10,000 year old skulls in Syria that dated back to the Neolithic age. And they were separated from the bodies. And, you know, at one point, according to this, this was an article based on this dig um, from an archaeologist by the name of Juan Jose Ibanez uh, from the Spanish National Research Council and his team. Um, apparently, according to Ibanez, the removal of skulls was once thought to be exclusively like a form of ancestor worship or like veneration. Mm -hmm. But this particular finding uh, suggests that they were actually um, separated from the bodies to prevent certain types of individuals or folks that died under certain circumstances from rising from the dead. Uh, in this pit, I guess you could say, they found uh, skulls belonging to adult males between 18 and 30. They were separated from the spines, heads removed. There was evidence of blunt force trauma, skull bashing, you know, pretty brutal stuff. And we also see this kind of stuff in ancient Greece and as we get to our story of the day in medieval England. Right. So during the period between about the 11th and 13th centuries, common era, there were people living in a place called Warham Percy. Oh, and, that sounds quaint, doesn't it? Yeah. It sounds Warham, very, Warham Percy. Yeah. It sounds like the kind of place where you can just picture some medieval version of um, a Norman Rockwell painting. I don't know. I picture like sprites and, and spirits, fairy know, rings dwelling amongst the small people, you know, <laughs> in, in, in Warham Percy in North Yorkshire. <laughs> so here's what happened. A group of archaeologists in the modern age started digging into this idyllic town and they discovered a grisly secret. It turned out for at least 
those three centuries we just named, uh, members of Warm Percy were mutilating corpses, essentially, to prevent them from rising from the dead. But like worse even than our Stone Age friends that we talked about a minute ago, that was exclusively bashing and, you know, pulling off the skulls. This was uh, a couple steps beyond that, wasn't it? Yeah. The recovered bones had signs of uh, breakage, knife marks, and burning. They found remains from at least 10 people, ranging in anywhere from the age of 2 to the age of 50. So there wasn't really a visible common denominator here. And they were. this was a mass grave. They were found buried in a pit near but not within the churchyard. So when you're an archaeologist and you discover a mass grave site, you know, you have to wonder what happened. Was this wartime? Was it a sickness? Were these all criminals? Was it a sacrifice of some sort? Well, the folks behind this study don't really necessarily know exactly what the problem was with these individuals per se, but they're pretty sure that all of these things that were done to them were to prevent them from coming back and, and seeking their revenge on the living. Um, and I gotta, I gotta drop this. The name of this uh, study in the Journal of Archaeological Science or this report is, this is beautiful. It's called mm-hmm. a multidisciplinary study of a burnt and mutilated assemblage of human remains from a deserted medieval village in England. So that's the part where uh, somebody dating one of these one of these scientists says, "Oh, you, you finished your uh, paper. What was the title on it? Right? Oh, I told my parents you're a writer. Tell them what you were writing about." I just can't wait to see the uh, film adaptation, you know, of a, a multidisciplinary study of a burnt and mutilated assemblage of human remains from a deserted medieval village in England. Four stars. I hope they keep the whole title. Oscar bait. Oscar for sure. For sure. Uh, this leads us to another big question. With the evidence at hand, why do they think they know the motivation of the murderers or the desecrators? Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. (laughs) Well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. 
Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. How did the team studying these remains narrow down all these possibilities? How did they take the first steps in solving a centuries-old massacre? Because it could have been a lot of stuff, right? I mean, it could have been... um you know, a massacre, it could have been wounds sustained in battle or some sort of foul murder, you know, mm -hmm. murder, uh, but it wasn't. No, no, because it, to each of those points, they had some other um, evidence disproving that possibility. So if these people died as a result of a battle, there would have been chop marks from swords on the bones, but there weren't. There were broken bones, but there weren't, you know, chop marks from swords. And then if they were all criminals, typically criminals were buried at the site of their execution, which I imagine plays hell on, you know, the property values near the courthouse or the, uh, the old hanging tree. That's dark, dude. I don't know if they called it. Ye old hanging tree. No, I'm sure it was carved into it. It was carved. Welcome back to it's, ye old hanging it's, tree. It's like the tree in that uh, the Conjuring movie. Remember that one? Mm -hmm. And they have to be a, a, a freaky looking twisted tree, right? Especially yeah. over time, you know, with oh, all yeah. that bad juju in there, it just mm -hmm. gets twisted, and, you know. So, what if they were cannibals? Cannibals would have cut the bodies at the sites of major muscle attachments. And no cannibalism was on the table. Yeah. Cannibalism was on the table. I guess it always is. It's, you know, things happen. Things escalate. And boy, do they continue to escalate. Right. If they were um, just unlucky outsiders, come to the wrong town after dark or something. Right. We're, you're, your kind's not welcome around here. Mm -hmm. No cotton to you around Warren Percy way. <laughs> yes, that is a, uh, that is That's how a, they spoke. a stone cold accurate uh, depiction there. Then... If they were unlucky outsiders, they would have grown up somewhere else, but they found other evidence that proved these were hometown folks. This is the science-y part, isn't it? Can I do it? Yeah, yeah, please. Right. So it's like this uh, strontium isotopes are in your teeth, and they reflect the geology of uh, where an individual was living as their teeth progressed from baby teeth into adulthood. Um, and this is coming from a Dr. Alistair Pike, who's an archaeology professor at the University of Southampton. Uh, and he was one of the authors of this 
study. Was it study? Is it paper? Yes, yeah, study. Okay, cool. We'll go, go with, for we'll, study. We'll, we'll go yeah. with study. And so apparently you can match the isotopes in the teeth and the geology around this specific location, in this case, Wareham Percy. And they did that. And the match suggested that these individuals, all of these individuals in this mass grave, uh, grew up close by to where they were buried, possibly in ye old Warren Percy village itself. Right. So these townspeople probably just chopped up the bodies of people they didn't care for, but that they knew. Uh, and maybe it was the manner of the person's death. You know, it seems like it seems like quite an egregious punishment to hate somebody so much that you mutilate their corpse afterwards, especially when you consider that one of the victims was two years old. I was about to say, and there were like tweens in here too, right? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't just like grizzled, hardened, you know, thuggish, ruggish types. Right, exactly. So the archaeologists believe that if they're correct, that this would be the first good archaeological evidence for this practice, a, a, a firsthand glimpse into a very dark side of medieval beliefs um, and sort of shows us how how different the medieval world was from our own. At least that's according to the archaeology team. However, this is not the only example. So here's the idea, right? Let's say let's say there was an illness, right? And someone takes takes ill and their behavior changes, right? Mm. And then they die, but then somebody else later exhibits the same symptoms. Sure. So without an understanding of maybe germ theory or something, you could see how you would think, you know, the average, just because somebody alive in that time period didn't have access to the same technology we have, it doesn't mean they were dumb. They were clearly connecting dots, you know, and they could say, well, these, this person behaving strangely and dying and this person who's behaving strangely now are somehow related. This sort of reasoning or lack of understanding would lead people to think, well, the first person who died is obviously returning from the grave somehow to afflict the living and we have to stop that. Wait, you mean like possession or something? Like it's not literally someone who's died and come back, but it's someone who previously died who has this affliction inhabiting the body of of somebody else? That could be a possibility. More more so in this case that one person – takes ill and then after they die they return to a loved one like in all those myths about vampires you know oh, the pet cemetery exactly Ooh. you bury your own oh god <laughs> don't go into the road Lois. <laughs> there's a storm coming saw <laughs> i uh i am in love with that accent herman munster yeah all day every day it was intense. oh but that poor guy in that movie oh. no it's, i think Okay, just just to this is a new show I know, but listeners, we we have we try to abide by the five year spoiler rule. Mm-hmm. We really try. It's a statute. It's a statute. Um, and hey, write in and let us know if if you're cool with that. But we've pretty we're pretty we're pretty uh uh solid on that. I think we've decided. So I think we can spoil Pet Cemetery. Yes, dude gets eaten by a little kid. Mm-hmm. Herman Munster did not deserve to be treated like that, especially with that robust. Uh, New England accent. It was a beautiful accent, but in in the story, he is somewhat the architect of his own demise. That's true. Well, sometimes, Ben, dead is better. That's true. Then undead. 
tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh boy, have I ever been. (laughs) Well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I do want to point out one other similar event. Lest we look down upon the people of the past, we have to remember that I, even in the 19th century, things like this were happening. And one of the best examples of this is something called the New England Vampire Panic. And we've talked about this off air. Because, I was nodding yeah. really vigorously <laughs> just then. Uh, there was an outbreak of tuberculosis in the 19th century and it went through Connecticut and Vermont, Rhode Island and parts of other parts of New England. The idea here was that Consumption, which was their word for tuberculosis, was they, – they thought it was being caused by dead loved ones returning to slowly drain the life of their surviving relatives. And so this fear swept the region and people began digging up bodies of people who had passed away from tuberculosis and ritually burning their organs – and it's important for us to put to give that a mention. I, I hesitate to call it a, an honorable mention. 
Well, that came up even like about this story mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, some of these uh these there was there was a history of medieval folklore and you know european folklore that leaned heavily into this idea of uh revenants we use that term mm-hmm. or you know life force draining undead creatures and you could really interpret that as vampirism in a lot of ways too especially like you're talking about and i love the kind of functional qualities that you're describing here because you're right they weren't stupid mm-hmm. they were acting in self-interest they were acting you know out of uh, a need to survive and so there you know there were kind of real life things that they were like shielding themselves against Mm -hmm. it wasn't just all necessarily the devil is in everything and you know we're just gonna like mutilate all of our corpses you know what it makes me think of though what's that the white walkers man (laughs) makes me think of some game of thrones you know it's like they burned them we didn't talk about that these corpses were also burned yes they do have they do have burn marks so their bones were broken uh, they had knife wounds, but not sword chops. Mm-hmm. It was uh, almost like precision, almost where they were like you know being uh, dismembered at a very in a very methodical way. Mm-hmm. And parts of their bodies were burned. There was evidence of burning. This this shows us that the approach that the the living at the time took was they thought, well, the corpses might rise physically, right, and seek revenge. Therefore, we disable them physically. And probably with the uh, assistance of local religious figures, it's it's also incredibly important uh, to consider the placement because it's – again, it's not in the churchyard. It's nearby, which means that they were considered inherently unclean. And at this point, the story of this specific instance, the dark secret of the village there in North Yorkshire draws to a close. But I would argue, Noel, the story overall, the global story is still not complete because there are archaeological digs all around the planet and they're valuable. They're crucial to our understanding of the past. But the thing is, we don't know what we'll find. Oh, totally. And like even like those uh, those kind of like preamble historical references we mentioned at the top of the show, mm-hmm. um, there is clearly a unconnected um, to specific regions and geography and culture, unconnected sense uh, of fear of this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's in China, I saw instances in China, I saw instances in India of, you know, fear of the walking dead. Isn't that a show? I think that's a show. Fear, fear of the Walking Dead. I heard it's not very good. You're killing it with the references. Yeah, the Fear of the Walking Dead is the spinoff where the characters are in Los Angeles. Los Angeles. I heard it wasn't good though. Different characters from the original yeah. Walking Dead. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I haven't. I think watched the Walking it. Dead's a bummer, dude. I think the walk. This is controversial, and this is purely my opinion. The the we are leaving the realm of facts. In my opinion. The Walking Dead is a soap opera that occasionally has zombies. That's that's about it. I just feel like nothing good happens to those poor people and they try so hard. Mm-hmm. They try so hard. <laughs> yes, I, I haven't caught up on uh, the latest, so I am vulnerable to spoilers at this point. So – We would love to hear your opinion on this. And I'd love to hear if there are any dark stories similar to this in your neck of the global woods. Also, since I'm vulnerable to spoilers, uh, 
well, please feel free to spoil The Walking Dead for me if you wish. That's just one of those shows where the only way you can spoil is to say so-and-so dies. Because mm-hmm. that's it's just literally a show where an endless number of so-and-sos die. That's <laughs> wow. kind of the plot of that show. That's pretty bleak. Hey, you guys come at me. <laughs> if you like The Walking Dead. I mean, we're, we're, we're right here in Walking Dead country, too. We're in, in uh, Georgia, in Atlanta, Georgia, mm-hmm. where they shoot that out. In, uh, where is it? What's it called? Uh, Pinewood. So, no, the name of the town. It's called Sonoy. Sonoy. It's like a little town. They have a tour and stuff and everything. Mm-hmm. We should go. We absolutely should go. Let's make a road trip of it and – Let's stay alive so we can return next time for another episode. Can we go to Fright Fest at Six Flags, too? We can absolutely go to Fright Fest. Oh, Ben, that'd be awesome. Speaking of awesome, it would be awesome to hear from you. You can uh, write to us via our email. We're ridiculous at HowStuffWorks.com. I'm pretty sure we've got all the other social media boxes ticked off. We've got the Facebook and the Instagram. And um, I don't know if we're going to do a Pinterest. We don't really... It's not really a Pinteresty kind of show. Maybe we, we can look into do it. Do a pin board? You ever done a pin board? I did one, but I did a physical one. I wasn't on Pinterest. Is that the thing with like a vision board? I did a vision board. Did it manifest? Kind of, but I set the bar really low. Oh, fair enough. There was like well, a pizza. <laughs> oh man, what? <laughs> what? What kind? It was uh, pepperoni, and I made it happen. That seems very attainable <laughs> without a vision board. I was dipping my toe in the water. That's fair. Well, folks, we hope that your dreams and visions come true, too, and that you'll join us next time on Ridiculous History. Goodbye. Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal history. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit LambdaLegal.org. That's LambdaLegal.org. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.